Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. More views of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning, good morning out there. It's a beautiful sunny day. First day of summer and I think uh, it's going to get to 31 today so that's always nice. Um, my name is Pierre Morrow and uh, that's right, I'll bring you this week's program of Asia Pacific Currents and uh, Giselle was supposed to be here but she didn't quite make it here so we're still hoping to get her back before we finish for the year and we've only got including this radio program, um, three more programs to go before we have a well-deserved summer break. And, of course, uh, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. You can go to our website, uh, aawl.org.au, which is still um, been fixed, uh, but our Facebook and Twitter are running, so just look for Australia Asia Worker Links on Facebook. Um, and... Um, Thanks to the Solidarity Breakfast for another very interesting program. And the music that you, the song that you were listening before was from George Telleck uh, singing West Papua. So um, very nice uh, segue into this um, program. And um, in this program, um, we'll have the usual... Uh, Roundup of um, of labour updates, and um, in the second half of the um, of the of the program, um, we'll be broadcasting an interview that I did a couple of weeks ago with a um, labour activist Hassan Damir from uh, the Istanbul airport, which um, it's been a struggle that. Uh, uh, and a campaign that we brought um, a number of um, updates over the last uh, few months. Um, but before I go to labour updates, I did I have forgotten that I meant to say at the start that last week we didn't have our program, our regular program. Um, we missed out unfortunately, and there was a very good reason. I was up. Uh, in Sydney um, for the uh, ASU Australian Services Union National Congress and I was supposed to fly back on Friday afternoon and everything was lined up but unfortunately there was high winds in Sydney that day and so it sent the whole uh, airport in meltdown so we missed our flight well, no, well the flight was cancelled and we did try to come back and we got a bus um, overnight, but unfortunately never quite got here in time. I think uh, I got to Melbourne Airport. I got um, uh, the bus arrived uh, in the outskirts of Melbourne around um, half past six, seven o'clock, and I was way too tired to get back uh, in here. So apologies for that, but sometimes uh, even the most advanced technologies uh, let you down. But Anyway, we're back. It, it happens sometimes. So anyway, we better go straight to our uh, um, labour updates. And um, unfortunately, the uh, the first item is uh, really quite a, um, a, um, a sad one where we go to China. Last Wednesday, a vehicle, um, well, it's actually a truck carrying dangerous chemicals exploded just um, after midnight and the entrance of the Hebei Shenhua Chemical uh, Factory in Zhangjiakou, a city about 200 kilometers northwest of Beijing. 
The blast and subsequent fire damaged 38 trucks and 12 cars. Once firefighters were able to put out the fire, 23 bodies were recovered, while another 22 people were injured. It is still unclear at this stage what chemicals the truck was carrying or why it exploded. Unfortunately, this was the second major explosion at an industrial facility in China this week, following a blast at a machine factory in Jilin on the 23rd of November, which killed at least two people and injured 57 others and caused damage to almost 400 houses nearby. And another two people were killed at a construction site explosion, also in the same city of Julian, the following day on November 24th. And of course, we have uh, brought to you a number of uh, items and updates of the terrible occupational health and safety record that uh, China has uh, across many industries. And uh, uh, and um, yeah, and this is unfortunately is just another eg- example. Our second uh, item is uh, still on China and is quite a different uh, topic and it goes really to the other end of, um, of China and, um, the, and we go to the Xinjiang region uh, of China, western uh, China, the, where the Chinese government has always been very strict against any rise and rising regionalist and or separatist movements. But the recent events in the western region of Xinjiang are of an unprecedented scale. Following some armed and violent incidents by um, some uh, Uyghur militants over the last 10 years, the, China, the Chinese government progressively militarized that whole region. And in, the, in late 2016, so just about two years ago, the Communist Party Secretary, uh, Zhen Quanzhou, relocated from the Tibet Autonomous Region to assume leadership of the uh, Xinjiang um, region. Uh, this shift signaled a dramatic turn with the establishment of total control and a supervision, supervision system of the daily lives of the Turkic Muslim people in the uh, Xinjiang region. It is now estimated that up to a million people have been detained against their will in special re-education prisons set up by the Chinese government. And all independent reporting or verification from Xinjiang province is effectively prohibited. Um, now, this wave of repression against the Uyghurs actually coincides with a similar clamping down on any independent labor organizing among Chinese workers throughout China. And um, on that note, um, I can uh, say that next week we will actually have an interview with a, um, uh, a support network for labor activists uh, about the situation in, in China and about the, um, the recent, what the recent crackdowns have uh, meant. Hey, this is Nick Rampanyar. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. We um, now go um, uh, nearby, almost um, next door, to South Korea, where on the 21st of November, around uh, 130,000 South Korean workers went on strike across a variety of workplaces to protest against the government failure to challenge the dominance of industrial conglomerates, known as chobol or chobols in South Korea. 
um, and, and also uh, a move to um, protesting against a move to revise a new workhouse system and to demand the abolition of non-regular jobs and for the guarantee of fundamental trade union rights like joining a union and the taking of collect- collective action, certainly something that many of us can uh, actually agree with and empathise. While the um, current president uh, of Moon, um, the, uh, the, the term of the presidential term of Moon Jae-in came to power promising more jobs by reducing working hours, the reality is that his government is now brokering legal amendments for a flexible working time system that would allow companies to make their employees work 80 hours a week without overtime penalty rates. And this is again um, uh, possibly a a warning or, or or a sign that uh, really workers have to be very wary when governments um, promise lots of things to change the rules but uh, then once in government the um, the, the situation uh, uh, is quite uh, different and it shows the need for workers to keep organised and, and, and to, to move and um, in that respect uh, just after this program, if people are interested, uh, starting at ten o'clock at the office of the CFMEU, there's a conference uh, by Workers Solidarity Free Conference that's actually titled "Beyond uh, Change the Rules Campaign" for here for the ACTU campaign of changing the rules and really very much looking at how do we keep the pressure on a future Labor government to actually maintain all the promises it did. Um, to to us to say to to give back our rights. So anyway, so if you can get to the CFMEU building um, today, it'll be a very good conference starting at ten o'clock. Anyway, talking about workers organising and workers' rights, um, we stay in South Korea, where um, we look at the situation for occupational health and safety at Samsung, where labour activists um, under the organisation called Sharps have been campaigning for better occupational health and safety conditions and compensation for uh, workplace uh, incident victims at Samsung's Electronic in South Korea for a decade, finally scored a um, victory um, in early November. A mediation committee that was set up as a result of this campaigning effort concluded that Samsung Electronics should compensate workers falling ill at its electronics and chip plants from 1984 onward. It has also requested that Samsung representative director should publicly read an apology before an audience of its occupational victims and their families to fully express their conglomerate's sincerity. The mediation committee also set up a process to calculate the payout to victims and or relatives and how this would be done. Now, on November 23rd, so just uh, just over a week ago, uh, Kim Kim Nam, Samsung's representative director responsible for device components, delivered an apology for the death and illnesses caused by Samsung's unsafe working condition and agreed to set up an initiative to compensate the victims and improve workers' safety. Now, I'm very pleased to, uh, to report 
that we will actually we will finish off the year with an interview with a representative from Sharps in South Korea that will detail us uh, in uh, in fuller details about this uh, huge long fight and and how they've managed to drag Samsung to the table and actually to admit some of its uh, of its crimes. So um, that's um, fantastic. But so they'll be uh, in uh, two Saturdays time. Hi, it's Paul Kelly here. Hi, this is Shane Howard here, asking you to support 3CR. Independent radio station, encouraging independent music and independent thought. They've been supporting musicians for more than 30 years, so let's support them. All right, we've got let's three more uh, news updates, and uh, it's just about 13 past and 9 o'clock. Um, we go to Bangladesh, where Dutch-based global confectionery company Perfetti Van Mill, makers of Mentos, Chupa Chups, and uh, Chupa Chups, and uh, Albania, among others well-known brands, is currently actively presenting its Gazipur workforce from establishing union. In early November, following an internal ballot where a large majority of workers voted to form a union, representatives from the workforce began to apply for legal registration of the union. In response, the company told the workers to withdraw their application. The main labour activists were redeployed and denied access to the plan, while the company also sent its representatives to the home of the workers to pressure them to withdraw their support. The, um, currently, the workers are locked in a bit of struggle against this global company for the right to form their own union, and there's an international support campaign initiated by the IUF Global Union. So go and look it up and show your support to these uh, manufacturing workers in Bangladesh. Um, we now um, jump to Pakistan, where once again, tragic news comes to us from the coal, coal mines of Pakistan. This time it is from the Duki district on the southern region of Balochistan, where three miners died last week and two others required hospitalisation as a result of exposure to poisonous gases. Reports indicate that the miners were working up to a kilometre deep inside the mine and the bodies had to be retrieved by fellow workers as no specialised help or equipment was available. In the first eight months of this year, just in the Balochistan province, over 50 mine workers have died due to incidents inside the mines. It's a, it's a terrible record. And again, once again, it shows you why unions are important and why um, companies um, fight against our right to organise. As the, um, as the last item to go, certainly not the least, we go to Iran, where, as previously reported, the Haftapa Sugarcane Workers Syndicate has been an epicentre of independent Iranian labour movement and activity in the past 10 years. They have, have not only carried out numerous strikes and demonstrations, but have shown incredible class solidarity by showing support to other workers, both in Iran and internationally. In mid-November, four of these workers were arrested at a joint demonstration by workers and locals against unpaid wages and alleged criminal activity by managers. The strike action is still continuing as we go to air and the workers are demanding the release of all jail workers. In a separate action that we also recently reported on, the Aswa's steel workers are still on strike. One of the main slogans of the protest is the workers should rather die than succumb to a life of uh, indignity. 
Um, as we have covered here, Iran has seen multiple strikes and protests in the last 18 months over working conditions and unpaid wages over across our whole range of sectors. So well done um, to you sisters and brothers. We're in solidarity with you. To me, lover, I've secrets to tell. Hi, we're Dash. And you're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Come to me sweetly, this love of great It's just on 16 past 9 o'clock here on uh, Asia-Pacific Currents, brought to you by uh, by Australia-Asia Work. uh, Links every week on 3CR Radio. Now, as uh, mentioned in the uh, the start of the program, um, I've got an interview with a labour activist, Hazan Damir. Now, this is not his real name. For security reasons, we couldn't um, use his real name. And this is about the the struggle of workers in, in Turkey, but especially around the, the, the new Istanbul airport. In mid-September, there was a massive strike at the almost completed Istanbul airport. Can you tell us the background to this strike and how significant it was? Thanks for, thanks for asking. You know, the project about Istanbul's new airport, or Istanbul Grand Airport, as they call it, it was a controversial project from from the beginning because the city has already two other airports and the, the location of the third one is in the middle of the forests so before the construction started they destroy part of the forest and they destroy some important water resources so it comes to ecology and environment issues from the beginning, it's a controversial uh, project. But when we were talking about the labor rights, working conditions, there are you know, hundreds or thousands of subcontracting outsourced companies. So generally, working conditions and salaries are really poor in these subcontractors. The, the turnover in employment is really high, so mostly workers are working for short-time contracts. They left the operation because of the poor conditions, detained wages, and main issue is occupational health and safety. Most of the companies, they didn't take necessary occupational health and safety measures, and there's almost no inspection, no official inspection or audition about those companies. So there are lots of occupational accidents during the construction. According to an independent NGO, working on occupational health and safety. They claim there are minimum 38 uh, workers lost their life during the uh, construction of the new airport. So only recently, Minister of Transport made a statement and said 30 workers lost their life during the construction. So independent NGOs are giving another figure, but at least Minister accepted 30 of the deaths in the uh, construction field. So because of the occupational accidents, the fatal ones, detained salaries, low salaries, and due to poor working conditions, there were several small strikes and actions organized by the workers. But in the second week of September, there was a big one. The strike took place. Around 15,000 of workers participated in the strike. It was suppressed by the military police 
gendarmerie in, let's say. So they attacked the uh, strikers with tear gas, water cannons, and around 600 workers were detained after this police attack. And among the detain uh, detentions, more than 30 of workers and trade union representatives are in prison. Their prison conditions are not so well, and these prisoners include the president of the construction workers union. And there are still some kind of small actions protesting the poor working conditions or dangers in the in, in the airport. We have reported on this uh, strike and the repression in the past couple of months, and obviously it was a it was a significant action by the workers, but the repression of the government, the police, and the uh, authorities was also um, very great. What effect did this uh, action and the repression have on on Turkey? Or was it uh, even reported that this was happening? Let's say, you know, many of the good journalists in Turkey, good correspondents, reporters, most of them are in prison now or they left the country to look for some other places. So actually, we don't have some local reporters to cover those kind of stories. So we have, uh, even the local people in Istanbul, they are following those news from the international media. But the med media coverage about the strike and other actions of workers is not, you know, it's like some troublemakers creating some troubles. Istanbul airport is a symbol of our nation. So these actions are not something for labor rights some kind of criminal issues or there was a kind of black propaganda about workers in the mainstream uh, media they don't really cover the story from the workers side they are making interviews with the company representatives showing that everything is really fine and good and clean but the Turkish media is not covering interviews with workers let's say you mentioned the fact about how there's um, lots of journalists have left the country and we've covered uh, previously about how many journalists are jailed or media outlets have been closed down since the failed coup of a couple of years ago. The situation for trade unionists, for labour activists to even talk and organise must be very difficult now in Turkey. Yeah, sure. The, the story is like that. And for instance, I'll give you an example from the airport construction again. Advertisement about the airport is the, the traffic control tower of the airport. So I met with the worker who built this tower. He's the foreman of the group who the group made the tower. The guy gave an interview to a German newspaper. So as soon as he gave the interview, and talking about working conditions in the airport, he was dismissed from his job. So it's like giving an interview can create some troubles, you can lose your job, and uh, workers are afraid to give interviews, but also the journalists are afraid to cover such uh, controversial stories. 
so-called controversial stories are really because we are talking about the lives of workers, we're talking about the living conditions, the, the living wage of workers and so one would assume that the working conditions for workers in terms of health and safety in terms of job security, in terms of, uh, of a living wage have decreased over the last um, couple of years. Yeah, Istanbul Airport construction is not a unique example. So generally in the construction sector and in some other sectors, the working conditions and lack of occupation health and safety is uh, similar everywhere. So the debt tool is raising in occupational excellence and let's say we don't call it occupational accidents, we call them occupational murders because they're not happening accidentally. Companies are not taking occupational health and safety measures. Governments, ministries are not making inspections over it. So just to some more money, they sacrifice uh, workers' health and sometimes they sacrifice workers' lives. So in some other sectors like mining, metal shipyards, and transport, there are lots of fatal accidents. Workers are losing their life, life while they are working. So what effect has this had on unions generally in, in Turkey? You know, an ordinary worker, when he or she reads in the newspaper or, or watching in the media, union members dismissed, workers died in, in a factory, or trade unionists defending their rights are taken into prison. Of course, this kind of news avoid people joining trade union activities. They prefer not to unionize, they prefer not to join trade union activities. So this is, of course, a negative effect. But even there is kind of repression over trade unions, there are lots of trade union activities all around the country. Even detention of hundreds of construction workers in the airport. In the following days, there were, there were some other demonstrations inside of the construction plant or the airport. Still, we are receiving news that in different corners of the country there are picket lines, strikes, or workers' protests. There, yes, there is a repression, but workers are not stopped fighting. I mean, that's great to hear, and, and certainly um, our listeners and our comrades here in Australia would like to express their solidarity at, at, uh, at workers and unionists in, in Turkey and the hard conditions that um, you are enduring. But as a final question on that point, what role do you see international solidarity, international organising in being able to support and help uh, uh, unions and labour organising uh, in Turkey? Thanks for asking that. You know, we start our interview by talking to the airport. Yeah, it's, it's based in Istanbul and Turkish government claims it's a national symbol. It's an airport, an international airport. It's a kind of international hub, international transfer point. And many of the services or the operations are delivered by multinational companies. So it's an international operation. It's an international enterprise. So I, I see most of the Australians will use this airport 
to transfer to European countries, for instance. Uh, so this is an international case, not something only about Turkey. And among the co airport workers, there are lots of foreign workers, you know, hundreds of Nepalese, hundreds of Indian workers. So this is an international enterprise in both levels. Employers are international, but also the employees and the workers are uh, international. So any kind of solidarity is also welcome. Maybe Australian trade union activists can write some letters to the prisoners. And they can find the addresses uh, online easily. So trade unions in Australia, construction unions or civil aviation union can do some solidarity actions for the prisoners. I think any kind of international reaction will be important for the prisoners and the construction workers. Thank you very much for that overview and analysis of the situation for workers in, in Turkey and especially about the airport workers at the new major Istanbul airport. So uh, I'll certainly uh, pass this information on and uh, we wish you all the very best. Okay, thank you so much. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. It's just on 29 past 9 o'clock here on Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links on your favourite community radio, 3CR Radio. Apologies for the quality of that um, uh, interview, but I, I think it was still uh, quite understandable and um, about the uh, the issues that of workers uh, facing in Turkey and especially at Istanbul Airport. And uh, as I said, there was Hassan Demir from uh, talking about the... Uh, um, the issue for workers or the issues for workers in Iran and in Turkey and um, some of the um, ways you can uh, do to help them. But that's all that we've got time for. I'm Pierre Morrow. Uh, I'll be, we'll be back next week with another program of Asia Pacific Currents. Um, enjoy the day. And if you can get to the Workers' Solidarity Conference uh, starting about half an hour at the office of the CFMEU in Elizabeth Street, um, get there. It's uh, beyond the change the rules. That's the theme. But um, Stay tuned to 3CR Radio for Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.